Blog Talk Radio. Oh, I love when she says that. Indeed, it is Blog Talk Radio. And this is the K Factor on Blog Talk Radio, where K equals kindness. And the factors are all the things that lead to it. I am your host. This is Dr. Deb Carlin. And I have my very active, very brilliant, genius friend and business associate here, the none other than Ron Williams. Good evening, Ron. How are you? Very good, Dr. Beth. How are you? <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you how I am. I am completely thrilled that you're my guest here. I am absolutely over-the-top excited because what you and I have been talking about for a very long time is not just what we can do with our combined energy and intellect and experiences, but what is it that we can do to be helpful to this country, the great United States of America that we were both born into and are madly in love with. Because 2020 ain't good. Well, you know, it's funny, Deb, because you and I have been sort of gravitating toward one another, and I think we just knew that it, the inevitable was going to happen, that we're going to do, say something together or try yeah. to say something yeah. or try to take a stand. It doesn't mean we're right. It means we care. Yeah. And uh, I've had a burning in my belly now for several months where I just feel like, you know, we, we just all need to step up and say, okay, what's going on around us and, and take responsibility because there's been a lot poured over our country for our freedoms. And we hear about these things matter and that matters and black lives matter. And they all matter. Of course yep. they do. Yep. But what matters, freedom matters. And um, we need to talk about things that fall under what that actually means. I, I am so in alignment with you. And I think that the, <clears throat> the reality is that people have gotten confused about what matters. They, they've gotten hammered for what they have thought matters. They've been commanded to. People feel like they're yelled at. Other people feel like they can't yell loud enough. Yelling is not what's going to get us into a good spot. Love and understanding, compassion, and knowing where it is we came from are going to make all the difference in the world. I know you work with a lot of patients. I'm curious what you are seeing and hearing surface amongst, you know, people in general. I'll tell you, it's very interesting. I've never had an experience like this before. I have physicians who are sending patients to me because what they know is that I will work with them as their healthcare provider, as their physician, to do the medical part. And I will tell them what the people are saying, what they're thinking what they're feeling. And, and as a doctor of psychology, I will be talking to them about what their perceptions are and what their mind-body symptoms are. You know, where your head is, is where your body's going to go. And if your head is not okay, you're going to get sick. And, and here's the prevalent theme. Since the end of January, full blossom in February and ever since, I had predicted all of it. And I'm sorry to say that I was very correct, but it's just knowing and being experienced. Huge increase in anti-anxiety medications, huge increase in antidepressants. So people start out with a thought, they get concerned, they elevate up to a worry, they elevate up to an angst, they get into anxiety, it's partnering with fear, and then before you know it, they're angry and they're depressed and suicide rates are off the charts. Like, it's just, it's disgusting. It's terrible. We have 
physicians taking their lives. We have police taking their lives. We have citizens in neither of those professions taking their lives. We have teenagers who have always been the largest segment of our population taking their own lives are also committing suicide because there's an air of overwhelm with the uncertainty. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're also, as a country, we're under attack. And it's funny because, you know, I'll, we'll try to prevent being political here and trying to run an agenda. We'll just try to talk about the matters the best we can. Yes. That's why we're here, each one of us. Everybody's Absolutely. Right. That's what makes our country great is the very opinion. But I'll tell you what, when this new, when this presidency joined, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we've had, you know, the last several last 20 years, like, remember, we've been under war with this, and the war rumors of war with that, you know, the war here, there's a war going on over there, and I just hadn't heard of any war for a long time, and it seems like right. when we were under attack, as Americans, we would unify, because we right. would come together. Yes. All of, all of a sudden, we have no war, and we're under attack, but we're under attack by our own. Yes, from within. So, so it's like, huh, is it better to have rumors of war over peace, or is it better to have peace and then be at war with each other because the truth is we're under attack right yeah, now. Major. And it's our own. And yeah. it breaks my heart. You and I are in the exact same stance on this. It breaks my heart, too. You know, you you live in one part of the country. I live in another. We both travel around the country. And and when I am when I am traveling in the Midwest between my two cities, I am I am looking at Chicago and St. Louis. And I am just absolutely heartbroken and fearful because we're we're destroying, and I'm hearing people who are doing the destruction on television, on cameras, saying behind their mask, it's okay that we're destroying. There's insurance. Nobody's getting hurt here. The insurance will pay for it. Well, no, no, we need critical thinking skills put into the mix here. We need to have consideration and boundaries and respect for property. I don't care how angry you are. That's not the solution. Uh, you know, we've heard this, you know, that peaceful protesting is a great thing. Look, the more the merrier, the better. I think it's great that we engage in our country and we have a voice and we can do peaceful protesting. But at what point do we draw the line between um, rewriting history or simply writing history. Yeah. You know, we have the opportunity to make history right now, not rewrite history, not erase history. Yes. That, you know, whatever happened, happened. I get it. Some things weren't great. I, we all did it. We weren't there. But what we can do is we can make our time here count while we're here. So I, I like the idea of making history, not trying to rewrite it. Yeah. And uh, peaceful protesting, I'm 100% for, but I think about our country being under attack and the hundreds and millions, billions of dollars of destruction in our own country right now. And I think to myself, man, what if, what if a foreign country sent in their bandits and were tearing down our, our, our cities and to the tune of billions of dollars, yeah. what would we do? Yeah. We th- we take care of business. So this is an awkward position where, because we're under attack by some of our very own and let's make history. Let's not try to rewrite it. We weren't there. We're here right now. Let's be here right now. Yeah, I think the idea that um, we have got people who have, have stepped out. I mean, I, I 
uh, I did peaceful protests. I thought I thought the movements in the 60s and the 70s were, you know, they were groovy at the time. And it was part of the social norm. And my parents didn't think it was groovy. They thought it was heinous. But, you know, we made really pretty posters and wore our bell bottoms. And, you know, it, it, the things we were talking about, we didn't want to be in Vietnam. That was the big thing. And, and uh, you know, I remember a peaceful protest about a dress code in high school because we thought it was unfair. Well, I thought it was unfair. <laughs> and so nobody destroyed anything. You were, you were painting a sign. You're holding it up. But when you want to protest, you're supposed to go to your local government and get a, get a permit. It's not legal to walk in the middle of the street. It's not legal to walk in the middle of the highway. When I'm traveling, I'm terrified because I have to call ahead with the police and find out, am I going to encounter people on the highway? Because I don't want to do that. And what do I do? I, do I run them over? I'm not going to run anybody over. Do I try to go through and have them pull me out of my car and beat me up? Do I make a U-turn and go into ongoing traffic? You know, the things that are happening, there's not, there's not logic. There's so much aggression. And it is not through aggression that we get things accomplished. It is through, it's going to sound corny to some people, but it's through love, understanding, communication, sitting at the table. You cannot be standing out in the open on the street and come to civilized conversation. The adrenaline is flowing. There's all these influences. We have to come and sit. The question is, who's going to come and sit? Yeah, very true. And, and, I, and I look at what's going on with some of the racial divide. Well, we've, we've made so much progress, you know. Yes. And, and, and we still have a ways to go. I get it. You know, I, I'm not saying, oh, gee, it's all perfect, you know, but Thank God we have different colors. Thank God we have black people and white people and Asian people and Latin people because how are we going to learn? You know, because we're all learning. Every yeah. color is learning. And it's not one person doesn't define a race. One cop does not define a police force. You know, we're a human race that belongs together, and we're supposed to learn from one another, not hurt one another. Exactly. And God knows, and God knows look, there's some bad people out there, but this is not about color. You know, bad or good is not color. It's, it's the human race. We're joined in a brother and sisterhood that supersedes all societal limitations, all media divide. And God forbid the media would divide us, you know, in the name of a political campaign. In my observation, you know, any campaign that relies upon racial divide has got a problem to begin with. Yes. And so you know, so, you know, and I'm watching all of this and all these crazy things are happening in the media. We're watching it live. Yes. And the perpetrators of whatever this is have to be chuckling because all these guys are doing all this looting and stuff right. wearing their masks. Yeah, you know? now it's legal. Yeah. Well, well I'm just saying it's funny. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost laughable because, look, I'm not discrediting COVID. I think that we should be careful, especially if you have preconditions. And we've all heard, you know, this, this conversation. I think you should use wisdom like you would with the flu or anything else. If you have lung problems or heart problems, or blah, 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 blah. Be careful. But look, for the rest of us, I have a question. How do you want to die? <laughs> you want to die on your couch in fear? No. Wearing a mask? No. Penniless? No. You know, scared to death in front of your children? Or are you going to go live? 
how are we, the generation now, facing the loss of our country? Yeah. So if we are that generation, man, we got to step it up and step it up big because we're under attack, and unfortunately, we're under attack by our own. Yes, and I do not want to be the generation. My parents were in World War II. My grandfather was in World War One. I do not want to be the generation that lets America disappear. I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school every single day. We stopped doing that. I don't know when or why. We sang the Star Spangled Banner. We sang the, Star, the, the National Anthem. We sang My Country Tis of Thee. And we, from K through 8, and then in high school, this was a normal practice. And in high school, we also put our hands together in prayer together. Now, the things that are of value for us in this country that have been eroded and are under severe attack is, number one, the American family, the nuclear family. Hey, wait a second. For those of you who are fatherless or motherless for any reason, my heart is right here with you to introduce you to why having mom and dad in a stable home and every breakfast around the kitchen table together and dinner together is stabilizing and grounding. And we have to reestablish that, not get rid of it. The other thing is the, the, the marriage between two people who love one another. I'm traditional. I, I love the idea of a man and a woman getting married to each other and having that calm and that relaxed. But here's what's happened. And then in our capitalist society, as much as you can earn, as much of an entrepreneur as you want to be, you can go for it and you can make it happen. There's opportunity abundant. But what I see happening in a, in a, in a culture that we've got right now where we're saying Black Lives Matter, I learned that from the time I was a little girl, that, of course, Black Lives Matter. But I also learned as a Christian, Jewish lives matter. And Hispanic lives. I wasn't, I was not taught to be a racist. I was taught not to see that stuff. So when I look around and I look at my friend network, which I never did until a couple years ago with all the things I was in St. Louis a lot and everything with, with uh, Michael Brown, I started wondering, is there something wrong with me? I mean, do I have, do I have some preconceived idea, you know, about color? And I started looking it, it literally on paper. And who, who my friends were and thinking who and there were a bunch of different colors, agendas. I mean, uh, genders, um, ages, uh, nationalities, uh, political affiliations. And it just didn't matter because we came heart to heart. Now, excuse me, why are people talking about the color of what you must be in order to be in a position? Or what gender you must be. And excuse me, but who's been more impacted by this coronavirus than any other segment of our population? Our elderly. You don't think we're discriminating against them? Because if we're lucky, we all get to be a senior citizen and get elderly. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think we keep thinking that the issues, the ones we see at the surface are the issues, whether that's COVID, whether that's, you know, racial tensions, uh, whether it's the economy, 
you know, we look at these things like, oh, these are the things. We, you know, the, the, the things that we're really facing right now, folks, is losing America yep. to become for globalism. And this one world concept of, of, of maybe socialist kind of an agenda. Uh, and let me tell you something. One reason I think that I'm passionate about this conversation is I used to be a CEO of a company that was pretty much in every country. Yeah. And I remember being apologetic for being America, an American in the beginning. Like, oh, you know, we have so much and we eat too much and we're being rolled to sleep, shorter, fatter, dumber, junk food, synthetic this, alcohol, prescription drugs. There's some things about our country that need some work. Even even our racial growth, you know, we're still growing, you know. Uh, just all of us suffer. It doesn't matter. Right. And but, but <clears throat> let us grow, for heaven's sake. Don't capitalize on, on, on the learning curve. Let's, let's, let's make it better. So, but anyhow, I remember visiting a few countries along the way that had the socialist history. And I would sit around the boardroom table with, this person who introduces them. So they say, we're from this country, we have free education and we pay for this and we pay for that and everybody gets this. And, and so all of a sudden they go around the room in a business meeting and here's a triple PhD right here. Yeah. There's a double, double PhD, an MBA, a PhD, and a doc, whatever they got. You know, all these different things. So yeah. They're going, I'm the dumbest guy at the table here. <laughs> but I'm the only guy that has money. They don't have two dimes to rub together because everything is free. And they're, they're sitting at yeah. the table because they thought education would somehow lend itself to some form of survival or abundance. Or right. Something. But all I'm saying is that, look, money is neutral. It makes good people better. It makes bad people worse. But I think money is there to serve people. But don't, don't, don't pigeonhole everybody into the same. Cause if there's any, if there was any group of anything on the planet in the solar system that were unique, it would be human beings. And we all have different things that we're out doing and, and that's what makes this life special. And I think America fosters those freedoms. And we're much as given, much as expected. I think we could do better. But, man, I don't want to lose our freedoms. The idea of losing our freedoms has been running rampant through my entire being for six months. And I'm looking at this thinking, okay, you know what? Look at national statistics for illnesses and what's really killing people. We have gone so far over the top on one particular diagnosis right now. The other ones haven't slowed down. If anything, they've sped up because we've got so much stress. We've got so much fear. People get sick in the middle of all that. It compromises your immune system. We can't be healthy when we're angry and we're fearful. I do worry. I mean, this might sound really crazy. I'm very angry at the people doing the looting and the destruction. I'm also very worried about them because I don't believe that they're eating properly and I don't believe that they're sleeping properly and they're so angry they're burning up nutrients. We need to have a culture that is saying, wait a second, calm down. We have got to calm down. We have got to step back. There's been tremendous progress made on all kinds of fronts, and we have people of all colors and ages saying it and screaming it. And if we don't take the time to listen, then we have to ask, like you're asking, who are these people who are here who are stirring up the trouble? Who are these people who want to who wanna kill us, who want to silence and, us? And are some of these people on somebody's payroll because one plus one just doesn't equal two? 
And, and, and I don't, you know, I, I would love to know. I'd love to understand the vision behind it better because I'm trying my hardest to understand the vision behind destruction right now. Like where so much anger is coming from. And uh, look, in life sometimes, two plus two doesn't equal four. I get it. That's part of life. But this one is bizarre, what's going on around us right now. It just feels like it's been thought through extensively. It and does. I think it's very deceptive. And I see these politicians who practice what I call leap year love. Every four years, they'll love on a certain race. They'll love on, you know, the, the gay community or whatever it is, just to get a vote. Yeah. Look, Here's the deal. Either love them or don't. Right. Don't do the don't do the leap here, love. Or all of a sudden you just need them for both, and you don't need them anymore. Right. Politicians don't care about our so much about our social needs. Yeah. They really don't. But during the election, they appear to, and somehow we fall for that. We take care of each other. Yeah. The people at the grassroots, we are the ones who take care of one another. Stop looking to the TV and to politics and look in the mirror, because that's how we're going to resolve this issue. The people rise up because, man, I'll tell you what, what I'm seeing out there is not encouraging. No. So you and I <clears throat> have been talking about this, and we started, we, we both, in, in one of our, our conversations a couple weeks ago, we started doing a countdown to Election Day. Now, I don't know if the elections are going to really take place or if they're not going to take place or if they are, how they're going to take place. I want to walk into my polling place and I want to place my election on paper, not on the computer system. I want to put it on paper and have it be registered. But even that kind of terrifies me because I've always done it on the machines, you know. But I, you and I decided that one of the things that, that we wanted to do was to use our good minds, our good hearts, our, our connection with each other for good energy and, and our influence across all the people that we know and try to uh, infiltrate the platforms that we're on and get people thinking and talking and doing fact checking and getting the information right. Because once election day comes and goes, it's done. And my fear is, my biggest fear is that there are people who are saying, "Ah, not happening. You're not right. Nope. I'm not paying attention to that. I have people who I love. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. Just to make it go away. I don't want to deal with it. Well, guess what? You're going to have to deal with it because yeah. it's going to affect your home, whether you get to keep your home, your, your bank accounts, your investments, your car, your business, your career, your family, your health, your health care. Everything. I mean, we've got... When I hear on television, we will no longer have private health insurance, do you mean to tell me that Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and all the others are just going to close their doors? What happens to that? What happens to the hospitals when they want to go ahead and they want to, they want to you know, invoice the insurance company? Are they just going to invoice the, the patient or are they going to invoice the government? I mean, who's going to pay for all that? Or do people just not get any care? Well, I was reading something that you know, they're sending the census bureau around and, you know, they're making it look really covert, like it's a pharmaceutical commercial, you know, watch out when the puppies come out on the commercial because that's when they look right. all the side effects. You know, right, right. But um, I heard through a friend of mine who, uh, and I haven't validated this yet, but I heard through a friend of mine that the intent, the questions are asking in these census bureaus, how many rooms do you have and 
how many people live in your home because if this agenda goes through, they're going to start sticking strangers in your house. And, um, and you know, it's always nice to have strangers. It's always nice to be good, but it's not nice to have it be forced. And some people say, well, I don't like Biden or I don't like Trump. You know what? The conversation is way bigger than Biden. Way bigger. It's way bigger, it's way bigger than Trump. That's who right. Who cares who you like and don't like? None of us are perfect. It's like having school teachers. I like that teacher, but I didn't like that teacher. So what? So what is right. The, the bottom line is I like freedom. Yes. And that, that, that's what it comes down to because this isn't about race. This isn't about COVID. This isn't about the economy right now. This is about globalism. It's about taking away our freedom rights. And most of the world is praying that we step up. Yeah. They, they love our country. Yeah. They love what we stand for. We love, you know, we're not perfect, but most of the world loves what America stands for. Yeah, that's why they're trying to get in here. That's why people will be refugees to come from anywhere, any way they can. They will put themselves in a box and come across the sea. They will go under tunnels and through anything to get here. This country, no matter how fractured it is, still works. And we yeah, can. And, and uh, think about it. You know, I'm all for open borders, by the way. I, I'm totally for open borders. I mean, I mean obviously our ancestors, whatever, that's how yeah. we Which is very much capitalism, very much freedom to work 
be creative, make all the money that you possibly can. There's not a ceiling on it. Reach out and touch all kinds of people to spread what is really good. And as we were talking about what's going to happen with, okay, this, this virus, we are in the well-being and wellness and health industry and in, in, in a lot of different ways. And our concern was, how can we provide more for people to help people really realize wellness? Now that we have this virus, the things that we engage in are about boosting your immune system and repairing your body and, and getting you into well-being. But here's the real thing. And I started talking about this and writing about this in January. It is not the biological germ that scares me. It's what is the social psychology of this virus and the ways in which an entire culture and an entire world has been terrorized over this topic. And then we started talking about this is getting political. Now we've got, you know, combined with this virus, we've got a political statement and social unrest, and our civilization is now uncivilized in behavior. What are we going to do? And as we started talking, you know, I'm, I'm contacting Ron, and he's contacting me, and we're communicating about it, and neither one of us feel like we can sit still. We're not going to hold up signs and go and protest. We're certainly not going to go and riot, but we are here to invite you in invite you in to participate, to think, to join us, to talk, to be in touch. To wake up. Oh, my gosh, please. Well, I, you know, I, and I don't want the viewers who are listening to this to think that I come from white privilege or whatever the, the phraseology is, the judgment, the categorization, the profiling. I don't fit it. I come from a single mom. I was raised where I was a minority, and I never knew it. I was poor and never knew it. You know, community was the currency. So why I'm on this thing, on this this talk show with you, Deb, is because it's about freedom for me. It's not even about a dollar sign. Freedom means we can make or not make as much as we want to make or not make. Freedom means we can love the way we want to love. Freedom means we can handle our health the way we want to handle our health. And freedom means a lot of things. And I I just, um, to me, that's the big overhanging conversation. And what I'm seeing is a demo. I was just in California for a few days where I was raised. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, don't get me wrong. California is beautiful. There's so many beautiful people in California. But here's what I'm seeing. I'm like, they have, like, all this coastline and all this expensive real estate. Right. They have something like 50 professional sports teams, literally. There. Yeah, yeah. They have all the amusement parks. They have Hollywood. They have the music industry. They have Silicon Valley. They have, they just have and they have and they have. They have and they have and they have. But but somehow they're somewhat belly up financially. What? It's the seventh largest economy in the world. So if you want to see what we're looking forward to, no offense, take note. Yeah. Because, man, I don't want, that's not where I want to go. No. And so we just have to be very, very, we have to be awake right now. And folks, this is the time to wake up and take a stand. And, you know, um, I don't know, the way that the, the, the contention is taking on a different look yeah. uh, than the Civil War that was a couple hundred years ago. This is a different look and feel. Yeah, and we is. have to adjust. I'm sure back 200 years ago, it was a different look and feel for them. Right. But for us, it's the 
saying. And so I'm not declaring war. I'm just simply saying we're under attack. Yeah, we are. We are under attack. We, we, we right now, and I'm so glad you said that. I've spent a lot of time out in California and actually lived out there for about a year. And you're right. It's plush. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but what's happened to it, where it's at right now, is is horrifying. And we've got city after city. We've got Oregon and Washington State. We've got Texas, you know, Austin, Texas. We've got um, Chicago. We've got uh, New York. And, and there's more. And, you know, I, I'm posting on my social media, and people are saying, excuse me, you haven't heard about it, but let me tell you what it's like in Hawaii, in, in Ohio. And I'm thinking, okay, we don't all know what is going on everywhere. So if we have people, if we can reach with our marketing of this show, this platform, reach people in all the states of these great United States and have people talking about what's going on there, then we're going to get a real feel for what's really happening in our nation and what we can do about it. And friends, let me tell you something. I was born and raised in Chicago, in the city. And and I've been living in, in St. Louis and Chicago for about 40 years. Now, if you can see me, if you hear me, uh, and and if you Google me, Dr. Deb Carlin, you can see I'm a white female. Uh, but let me tell you something. I grew up in a family that had come from not much, and, and they really uh, were entrepreneurial, and very responsible and really worked hard. My mother and father were madly in love with each other and they worked very diligently and raised my sister and brother and I. Now, did I have white privilege? Well, I'll tell you what, when you're a very pretty little white girl and you come from a nice family and you wear great clothes and you have long brown hair or, you know, like now I'm, I naturally am blonde and silver. If you don't think that I've been discriminated against, I've heard every joke, I've been laughed at, I've been teased, I've been selected and deselected because of my look. And yeah, there were times absolutely when it hurt my feelings. I'm not negating anybody's pain, but here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Don't negate anybody's pain. We all go through challenges. And the things that we're fighting about, they're not worth the fight. They're worth the conversation. That's yeah, where I, we need to go. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of people who listen to this will wonder our backgrounds a little bit. And, man, I, you know, I still go back to my childhood neighborhood, you know, and I still go visit my friends. And, yeah. We're still like this, and yeah. it's never been about color. You know, we learn from each other. We right. acknowledge it, but we just don't, you know, we don't make it a division because how easy is that, you know? So harmony is our ability to differ, and I welcome it. And look, and, and Deb and I are not professing to have all the answers. All we really want to do is facilitate a conversation right. that says, hey, man, let's be awake right now because, man, we can fall asleep in a hurry, and all of a sudden history changes like no tomorrow. Could be improved, yes, but this is overboard. What I'm seeing is a demonstration for what is to come. Uh-uh, I'm not in. I'm I don't not know about in. you, but I'm not in. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm going to debate with you a little bit since you fessed up to me that you like a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> I do have the answers. I know exactly what we need to do. And I'm going to tell you exactly right here what it is. got to dial in, get into the dialogue, talk, talk, talk. 
have an open mind and have a really open heart. And when you are off base, you've got to be asking other people, do I sound like I'm making sense? Am I exercising critical thinking skills? Because critical thinking skills is the thing that I was raised on. The Chicago public school system was all about it. I didn't know what they were talking about. It took me till I was in college till I knew what they were talking about. But I kept hearing about it. And here's what it is. Well, let me just make sure people know. Dr. Deb is a doctor of, of, of mental health, so this is a woman that this is what she's trained to talk about. I'm not, so go ahead. <laughs> but you are a real mental health relief for me. So there. So I'm the doctor. He's the medicine. So critical thinking skills. What I mean by that is things are not concrete. They are not, as we say, in black and white, which is in colors. Deep contrast. Take the racial out of it in terms of black and white. I'm talking about the color palette. Things are not in black and white. They are not concrete. There are always abstractions. There are always inferences. There's contingency thinking. There are many factors (coughs) that collide simultaneously to give us options and opportunity and 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 we need to learn how to think about that. So it's contingency thinking. When you are out there and you're you're either quiet or you're out there at the other extreme and you're looting, you're not thinking about all the contingencies. You're thinking about the moment and you're not thinking about the ways in which we're all going to pay for our moments. If you believe in a higher power, You take the pressure off of your shoulders for being responsible for everything. You don't have to carry the burden. Whatever your faith is, Mother Nature, God, Buddha, whatever. But to have a belief in something that is what you can put your faith into will lift your heart and allow us to come together. We all have blood running through our veins. We all need water. We're all one. You can argue it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Different on the outside, same same on the inside. Ron, can you believe it? <clears throat> We're down to the last three minutes. Well, can, can I offer something to that? Please, mind? yeah. I think we're going to offer some sort of progress on this talk because this is our first one, and we're just kind of exploring the boundaries right now because yeah. again. We're only talking about what we know. We're not talking about what we don't know. Right. We invite you to talk about those things, but it's called worldviews. Worldviews are something we, as, as a child, we inherit from our parents. We get it from the media. We get it from our neighborhoods. It's kind of what we think of this, you know, white people, fat people, black people, Asian people, Latin people, rich people, poor people, women, men, children. It's what we, politicians, right? It's what we think. It's how we develop our worldviews. And our worldviews influence our thoughts, which become our words, which become our actions, which become our results. And here's the thing. If you look at your results right now, guarantee you that your results are an exact mirror of your worldviews. <laughs> so if you want to change a result, I invite all of us, starting yes. with Deb and myself yep. right here, that we start shifting kind of how we do things that are inhibiting the conversation that bring a solution and harmony and bring community back. I think the media is dividing us. I think yes. more than more than more than we're already divided. We yeah. have some issues. But man, talk about exploiting this and all of a sudden acting upon it. My action upon
upon this is to love and to shift my worldview so I can shift my results. Your results are reflections of your worldviews. I love that. That was perfect. Now I've got 90 seconds. <laughs> so, friends, I, I hope that you will come back again and again to hear Ron Williams and me talk and our dialogue and participate. It's a little hard without a full-time engineer on the show to do call-ins, but you can, we'll figure out ways for you to communicate with us and, and most obviously on our social media pages. Yes. And, and folks, if you have any feedback or input, keep it polite, keep it yes. constructive, please. keep it kind, yes. but please bring it. We yes, that. that's right. That's right. So these episodes, as you might know or don't, are uploaded to social media all over the place. And on that note, this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin here at The K-Factor with Ron Williams, my not only my friend and business associate, my guest tonight, but he's now my co-host and we'll be back pretty much every day. <laughs> Peace out, babe. All right. Bye-bye. Yep.